This is just a language warning for this episode, as well as a minor content warning. This movie covers some kind of heavier themes, and we touch on those lightly. Welcome to Interior Analysis. I'm Evan Westman. I'm Jelani Kelly. I'm David Jones. And today we're talking about everything, everywhere, all at once. So... I apologize to people who are not able to go see this right now because I know it's not, like, broadly released everywhere. I will get into my, like, experience seeing it first, but I want us to go in order, in the order we saw it. So, David, let's start with you because you got to go to an advanced screening. Damn, what? And I'm very jealous. (laughs) Yes. To go all the way back, the trailer comes out. And I'm one of those people who I watch every trailer when it comes out every Tuesday. And I just like to see what's coming. And that trailer hit so different. And I have a very close friend from Drexel who he graduated the same year as us. And he he's an editor and he's a DP, but he really loves editing trailers. And I was like, watch this trailer. It's awesome. And he didn't think the trailer was that awesomely edited, but he did get intrigued by the concept. And then lo and behold, Somehow he got us into an advanced screening and I, we saw it like a month before it got released. And wow. Yeah, it was actually, it was like very advanced and it was this theater in Old City at the Ritz and it was completely full and I had no idea how long the movie was. I, I had to guess, I thought the movie was 90 minutes, but I had no idea. So I like fully was in like evan has a note about it and it's like not knowing the runtime in this movie is one of the best things about this movie like yeah. you really do not know at what point what anything is happening especially with like their fake ending and everything in the middle like it's just so i was so strapped in i had no idea if the next scene was going to be the last scene i was so confused about what was going to be presented to be next i had hot dog fingers i had epic fights with butt plugs shoved in them i was just like what is the next scene gonna have it was so much at once the audience loved it they cracked up they cried they were in awe they gasped when it ended they gasped when she died everything it was just awesome and i was i hadn't had a theater experience like that in so long it was awesome i really enjoyed the movie i laughed probably like the whole time because I, I wasn't analyzing it. It was too much at once for me to even try to analyze. Like, mm-hmm. I was fully just at the helm of that movie throughout the whole runtime. Like, the Daniels had me. Did you just see it the one time? No, I saw it again after, and I analyzed it and everything then. But it was the, that first initial time, it was like a roller coaster. It was awesome. Yeah, I, I'm going to second the roller coaster comparison. I'm so glad I got to see this in a theater. I'd gotten some hype because I didn't get to see it early like you, but I was seeing reactions from people who did like online um, just being like, yo, you got to go see this, go find words. And I I kept looking for where it was showing and I couldn't find anything within like a reasonable distance. But I I did end up getting to it pretty early for context. I think it was like first week of April. The first time seeing it in theaters, like I was, I was pretty hyped like i saw the trailer once i think when i went to see no way home i saw the trailer and i was like oh that looks that looks like it could be pretty good i maybe put it on like a watch list or something and then the more i heard about it i was like all right i want to not rewatch the trailer 
or like look into anything but i definitely want to see this because everyone's saying it's like that good and then i saw it and i was like okay it's that good the only movie that i've had that big of a reaction to on first viewing is probably fight club when i was 16 but the rewatch value definitely drops more on fight club for me than it did for this granted i rewatched this a week later so there wasn't exactly a whole lot of time and it it doesn't hit exactly the same of course on the second viewing like it was better the first time but it's still like really good and i i think it will be something that will be rewarding to revisit going back to the the first time i watched it like i got back home and i couldn't do anything for like two hours (laughs) i was eating dinner and i just i was just kind of like in this weird headspace and all of a sudden i go there's so many circles in here (laughs) Because I was thinking, like, the bagel and the googly eyes, and I was noticing there's there's a lot of circles in my living room. And my roommate was like, are, are you high right now? And I ended up getting her to go see it um, a couple times, which is... I texted, like, everyone, including both of you, after seeing it, like, you need to go see this. Anyone I've ever seen a movie with, I told, go see this. Yeah, I got to see it uh, with four different people, two sets of... two different sets of two people, and... There were some good, you know, walking home from the theater conversation about it. Did either of you catch the reference to the Nine Days song? Absolutely, Story of a Girl. Is that another one of those bands, Evan? It's a one-hit one. I don't think I caught it, no. Okay, I think I was the only person in my first theater to catch it. I was like, oh, that's that's fun. Do you guys know what I'm talking about at all? No. Your clothes never wear as well the next day and your hair never falls in quite the same way? No. Okay, well, they say those lines in... All I'm thinking about is when he's talking to her about it, but I can't think of a song. Okay. You may have heard it. It used to come up on my Pandora all the time. I think it's a one-hit wonder. But my second theater, there were some people who laughed at that. I don't know exactly how well-known that song is, but I... The two people I saw it with the first time, they didn't know what I was talking about when I mentioned it after either. I will leave it at that for now. But yeah, possibly the greatest theater experience. Or like, I got out of that and I was like, wow, that just like, that just happened. Like, I'm going to be able to tell like future people that I got to be there to see this in theaters, which is cool. All right, Jelani, go ahead. So... I don't get the love for this movie. It's cool. I found myself audibly saying what through most of it. There were moments in the theater people found funny. I didn't. I I think one scene made me laugh, but that was it. The absurdist stuff didn't work for me. It was just weird. And I'm normally one for absurdist stuff. I was kind of talking about this with Ev before we started. I'm on the internet a lot. There's a lot of dumb stuff that that makes me laugh on the internet. A lot of it nonsensical because it's the internet. But here, I I didn't find it funny. I went alone. Maybe that hurt the experience. Everybody in my theater, there was one guy laughing. He was having a grand old time. He was laughing at everything like A24. And an A24 employee was in in the theater telling him when to laugh. Also, the... The hype for this movie was built up crazy amount from people telling me to see it that didn't help, and that's partially Evan's fault and anyone else that recommended it to me. I even I saw it on Florence Pugh's 
Instagram story, and she was like, this is my favorite movie ever. I was like, oh my god, if this movie is not even top ten for me by the time I'm done, I'm going to be mad at some people. Well, I mean, I take responsibility. I wish you liked it more, but your reaction's your reaction. Yeah, I, so, again, maybe the... And this was my this is my first time ever going to a movie theater by myself. So, again, maybe that hurt the experience. I mean, I was fine with watching it alone. Like, the experience, like, it was, it was cool. There was nothing wrong with me going to see a movie by myself. But, like, maybe if I had somebody try to convince me right after, like, hey, it was, this was cool, you didn't find this cool, that cool, uh, maybe. Huh? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's valid, though, because I know there have been a couple of things that I've had that with. I wouldn't have needed that for this. But I know Don't Look Up was a movie where I was like, I need to get a second opinion, and that's probably going to shape mine. Yeah. Oh, did you not like it? I ended up not. Um, okay. I'm, I, I won't send us off on a tangent into it, but that was, like, I have had that where, like, that actually even happened. To, I talked about this a little bit when we did our episode on the Batman. Like, the, the conversation I had walking home from the theater did kind of, like, reshape my view of it a little bit. Yeah. That same conversation wouldn't have had the same impact if it had been like a day later. I, I like that movie and I saw it with family during Christmas time when it, I think it came out. Don't look there. up. Yeah. I like that movie. Like I, I told other people to see that. I wasn't hyping it. So it was like my favorite movie. I was just like, I like that. I like things that happened in this movie and I like the way this movie was, was told. And I again, I watched that with family. We were laughing through a good chunk of it. Jonah Hill is such an asshole in the movie. Anyway, it's just it was mid, mid to me. Like I'm not knocking other people that enjoyed this movie, except the ones that recommended it to me. But like, if you enjoyed the movie, hey, more power to you. If you can list all the reasons why you loved it, that's even better. But I'm not. And it sucks because this is a podcast, but like I'm not passionate really either way about it. And I let's not recreate another tick tick. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's gonna happen here because you that's both not gonna love be a problem movie, here. So, we yeah. I, we definitely overcompensate for you with passion, but I, I do want to hear where you thought it maybe fell short or like what didn't land for you because there are people who my my boss for one thing he went I hyped this up to him and then he went and saw it. And he was like, yeah, I don't, I don't quite get all of it. The, he could not get over the hot dog fingers. That was like such a deal breaker for him, apparently. That was very stupid. Yeah. I did not, even once it happened, like, I did not find it funny. And then they kept going back to it in that universe. So I was like, this isn't, this wasn't funny the first time. And it, it, it kept getting laughs from a theater. And I was like, what, what am I missing? I don't think it's anything you're missing. It, maybe it's a little bit like how you are with Scott Pilgrim, where it's like you're just not on the same wavelength with it. I guess. Because, like, I think that's one, that's another movie where it's like if you aren't really down with the weirdness of it, then none of it's really going to work for you. Mm-hmm. But if you are, then it just elevates everything, so it can get a little bit, like, polarized. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've talked before about, like, that is kind of your Scott Pilgrim stance. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. did you have more? Not for the initial things, but we can get into what I really 
didn't like about it later. It's really just one thing, which was the characters, but we'll get to that. Okay. Well, do we want to start with that? I don't, I'm not like super set on the order here, so. Okay. I didn't care for any of them. None of the villains, I, I guess you could call them. That. I, I didn't, I didn't care for any of the characters. I'm not, and I had a conversation with my writer friends. Well, you both are writer friends as well, but some other friends that also happen to be writers of mine. One of them asked a question, what's more important, plot or character? One of them cheated and said the emotion that's pulled out of the audience. So I was like, all right, you're cheating. You have two options here. One of us said plot, which was me, and the other said character, which was another friend. And I thought this made me think maybe I was wrong in that conversation Maybe the plot would have worked better for me if the characters were different or if I had any sort of feeling towards the characters. But then I thought, like, there are other examples out there where I don't give a damn about any of the characters in the movie. I just want to see cool shit happen. There's plenty of, I don't know, action movies that follow that, like Transformers, for example. I like the robot things in Transformers and things blowing up. And it's a big, dumb action movie. I like the movie. Nobody has ever seen a Transformer movie and was like, you know what this movie needs? More humans. Hmm. I, I don't care. Yeah, I, I don't know here. And I'm not one to... I like to think I'm not one that needs to relate to the characters in any way in order to like them. I, I don't relate to Homelander, I, I like to think. so, But I, I like him as a character. Same with Omni-Man. I'm listing Superman knockoffs. Ne- that, it's a whole nother thing. Yeah, I, I like to think I'm not one that needs to relate to the characters. I didn't relate to any of these characters, but I also didn't I didn't care what they were going through. The message was kind of cool, I guess. She was just like, we don't know, you know, there's no point to any of this. You just, you just kind of do it, or whatever she said at the end when she hugged her daughter. And I was like, okay, that's nice. Do you think maybe it would make a difference if Evelyn was a little bit more generic? Or would it have helped if she was more specific? Because I was kind of thinking about, like, and David, I kind of want to tie in the topic that you brought in for this, uh, into this conversation as well. But I'll, I'll hear your answer to this too, Jelani. Like, do you think that making her more generic or more specific would have helped that problem for you? Or any of the characters, but especially Evelyn? I don't know. I tend to not like when a character is generic, so maybe more specific... I think she was specific enough. It's just I I couldn't find myself caring. Like, how many characters can you name that? First of all, she was the main character, and I read somewhere it might have been David's Instagram story, or it was somebody's something, and it was talking about how there needs to be more movies made about middle-aged women as the main characters. So I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty dope. How many characters can you name? It's a middle-aged woman. That's mom running a failing laundromat and goes on a multiversal adventure go ahead go the failing marriage kind of homophobic grandfather up to a point there are a lot of specific things about this character and i don't i don't think generalizing her would would fix any of that it's i i'm trying to find out as i speak i'm trying to find out why i didn't care just for any of them david did you want to uh build on that because that kind of was feeding into your topic i mean it's just a true statement there's not a lot of middle-aged women in cinema or television Mm -hmm. and if they are represented they're 
seldom the main character. Mm -hmm. I really couldn't name one that is the main character until this movie. I think that's something that really needs to change. And I mean, I've heard it harped on by so many actors and specifically women. Even like when I look at like YouTube videos of like archived interviews of like the 60s and 70s and it's like the Hollywood starlets who kind of got older and they're like, yeah, they don't want us anymore. And I'm like, damn. And it's mm -hmm. like, that's just how the industry kind of is. So I would love to see that changed, but we'll see if it happens. I personally, all the specific things that Jelani just said were the things that I really enjoyed about it. I think through the specific, you get the universal. I think if you were too generic, you it's forgettable. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, maybe it wasn't specific enough. Maybe it was, I don't know, I don't know if it was just... I want to say messy because I don't consider it messy because there's so much going on and I feel like I was still able to follow it. So I feel like for me to say it's messy when I feel like there's so many movies going on at once, I mm -hmm. would be like not telling the truth, but I mm -hmm. could also see why someone might get lost in the sauce. Like my sister, I told her to go see it and she told her work friends about it. And one of her work friends didn't like it. The other two liked it, but the other one was like, yeah, you're never picking movies again. <laughs> so I can understand how like i think early on like you said like if you don't get on the ride this movie will not land like you have to be completely on with the movie's logic because the movie has a very specific logic and if you're not okay with it then the rest of the movie is not gonna hit i think that's especially true with character like i hadn't really thought of that but now that you're both spelling it out i think yeah there is a little bit that like there's so much like, Jelani, what you were saying earlier, like, is plot more important than character? When you started saying that, I was thinking this movie chooses character over plot. I'm actually not sure if that's true, because you do kind of lose some of the character story for a while. Like, I think it, it it's definitely anchored in that. I don't want to say it disservices its characters, because it definitely doesn't. But it would be relatively easy for many audience members to lose all of that because there's too much happening. It's too chaotic. And that can happen in much simpler movies too, where I think like spy movies tend to have this problem. And granted, those are much less character focused, but it's like, there's so many intricacies happening there and so much plot development, so many twists happening that you're just trying to keep up and you, you lose track of where each character is at. I don't think this falls into that trap too much, but the chaos of it, I think, could... I'm sure you're not the only one who's feeling that way, Jelani, of, like, mm -hmm. you can't connect to the characters because you're a little bit lost as to where they are. I think the movie is still doing a really good job from a character perspective, but I don't think that's a result of, like, you not paying attention or anything mm -hmm. like that. It's just, like, this is just something you have to get on the right wavelength with, and... There are certainly movies where I am not on the right wavelength for it. This just is not one of them. Mm -hmm. In terms of the specificity thing, I was thinking about comparing them to some other protagonists that kind of uh, are, I guess, more everyman protagonists, especially in sci-fi. The three that I was thinking of the most were Joe Gardner from Soul, Riley from Inside Out, and the protagonist from Tenet. I don't want to get too much into like any of those three movies, but... Riley in Inside Out is basically a blank slate. She is basically there for the audience to imprint on and just kind of like use the like world building of like the emotions and the 
way that they show like how the mind works in that movie i think you're kind of meant to just imprint your own experiences onto that almost like riley's like a video game character that you're controlling <laughs> kind of i don't know i feel i'm not i maybe shouldn't make that comparison because i'm not super well versed in games but i know that sometimes that's the approach definitely where it's not like, mlp <laughs> Okay, well, I like to think sometimes, not MLB. <laughs> we can get into how bad I am at MLB at another time. <laughs> but yes, um, yeah, although fine. if I, to be fair, if I were in the MLB, I would probably take L's even harder than I do in the game. So anyway, I think there is like a little bit more of that like blank slate approach with Riley. But with Joe Gardner in Soul, I kind of was feeling like, there's a little bit of that, but he's still a pretty specific character with like a more full life experience. And that's kind of more so the case with Evelyn here where like you can kind of like imagine yourself in the multiverse experience that she's going through. But they also spend a lot of time setting up like what her specific situation on this day and then kind of expanded out into her whole life is like the history of her um like leaving home starting the laundromat like that all matters in a way where it does make her harder to like fit that blank slate protagonist thing so that that was kind of what i was going for when i was asking about like more generic more specific and then my third example the protagonist from tenet i feel like is a little bit of a middle ground there where like he's an adult and like which is i'm just saying that as a comparison to riley as like a 12 year old protagonist and i think a lot of credit for him being specific is john david washington's performance there um more so than anything that like nolan put in the script but there's some indications as to like this guy is experienced this guy has like he doesn't feel like he's supposed to be some like audience insert character but at the same time he's literally just named the protagonist so there's only so specific we're meant to read him. Mm -hmm. Did you guys have any like anything to build on with that? Again, I don't not that I don't feel at liberty, but like I understand everything at all the at a distance. I understand the the love and and when you're bringing up these points about loving the the plot characters, all that, I'm like cool. I I respect that. I don't personally. I didn't go through any of that or didn't think any of that while watching it so i'm not going to debate you on that you can... yeah and like i said there's other movies i could say that with david did you have more you wanted to go into with your topic there no it's just like i wish there was more because i'd eat that up i'd love to see more middle-aged women just killing it i loved mayor of Easttown. oh yeah i guess that is an example I, I wasn't able to think of any others but it just it doesn't happen so it'd be cool uh, Hollywood and the world in general at large has a long way to go. Gina so. King, uh, she played Watchmen. Watchmen. She was that was one of my favorite. The fact that that didn't get a second season. She was the the Watchwoman. She was. Uh, that burns me. That's a phenomenal season of TV. I I just know that's an example. I didn't watch the show, nor do I know the character's name. But Regina King's goaded. So, all right, we'll go into the genre of. Imagine of sci-fi and multiverses. I feel like at this point, multiverse is becoming a subgenre with how much of it there is. It's not completely new, but I feel like now it's like catching mainstream. 
appeal. The two most recent Marvel movies are using it, plus Spider-Verse, plus Rick and Morty, so it's kind of mainstream now. I think this is the best multiverse movie, and no shade to Spider-Verse, because it's definitely a close second. But I think, I think in terms of, like, how this handles a multiverse story, this is better. I'm not going to make claims that this is better than Into the Spider-Verse, even though I think I rank it slightly higher. But I think on a on in terms of like how it handles the multiverse as a story concept, this does a better job. The thing I'll say is I agree in the sense that it's better in the way of using the multiverse as a theme. Yes. I think I can, that it was I can agree with that. Because with Spider-Verse, you kind of have to know Spider-Man a bit to like vibe with that whole thing in that in that movie but here i feel like it's definitely more not generalized well i guess it's way more open to all audiences here when it comes to the 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 concept of multiverses with spider-verse it's just different spider-men but in this it's like hot dog fingers yeah, and they use it to really drive home their points, where, mm-hmm. like, they have the whole line where it's, like, in another life, I would have loved to just, like, own the laundromat and do taxes with you or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, different things for the characters are really underlined through this different multiverse, where Spider-Verse, it doesn't feel like Miles is really driving his point home with his dad because, like, he had seen other versions of himself with his right. dad. right. Yeah, it's not, like, it's kind of using the multiverse as, like, an excuse for its premise. Again, not a problem that it does that, but it's kind of, like, using it as a vehicle to do a crossover thing. And especially, like, I mean, that is taken to a 15 in No Way Home, and even in the new Doctor Strange. Out of 10, you mean? Yeah, 15 out Um, of 10. in In terms of, like... Just using, like, the multiverse theory is really just there in No Way Home so that we can get Garfield, Holland, and, and Maguire all together. Again, service I don't have a problem worked. with that. Yeah, no, I don't think anybody did. And if you did, uh, give me an address. <laughs> or maybe don't. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I don't think that's necessarily a bad way to approach a multiverse, but I think it is, it's much easier for one thing, but and I, I really hope that that's not where we're going with multiverse stuff, but it, it probably is because of how much money those two movies are making, mm-hmm. and even how much this one is making. Like, it's not, it, I don't think it's cleared $100 million yet, but I think it is the highest grossing A24 movie already. Wow. Yes, in the U.S. and Canada. Yeah, because I think it, I don't think it's released fully worldwide right now. I don't know exactly where it's available but i know there's some countries that don't have it yet it has surpassed uncut gems thank god i haven't seen uncut gems but uh if adam sandler's the number one of something i kind of have a problem with it even if i hear good things about uncut gems is sorry to bother you a24 no i think that's something like it's one of those things that i get confused with a24 sometimes though i think i can't maybe it's annapurna it's one of those ones that I, I, I get all of those confused. But comparing to another major multiverse thing, like, I think the thing that does the most, like, takes the most similar approach to this is certain elements of Rick and Morty. But I think even those fall short. Like, there's some interesting stuff with some of the multiverse things and, like, other versions of 
characters that that show does. But there's so much more thematically that this goes into. And again, I don't want to like throw too much shade at Rick and Morty with this because it, it, it does like some really inventive stuff in some cases. Yeah, this show's wacky. Yeah, but I think sometimes it's also kind of just using the multiverse as an excuse to kind of jump the shark in some cases. Where, like, it's just kind of going like, alright, Rick just doesn't die right here because there's three billion other versions of him and he's just gonna, like, remake himself in some other universe or whatever. It's just kind of using it as a shortcut to be able to do something extreme. Again, not the only case, because, like, I think... Basically, my expectation going into this movie, I didn't really think of this consciously, but afterward I kind of realized, like, I was sort of expecting it to be like the interdimensional cable episode of Rick and Morty, like the first one where the, I mean, I guess spoilers for this episode, but, like, one of the, like, through lines in that is the two parents are, like, getting to see what other versions of themselves would do in like or what they did and like what their lives were like in other places and i was kind of expecting this movie to take more of that kind of approach and it does a little bit but that kind of falls off um and i'm i'm fine with that i think it it was much better at approaching its other themes but i was expecting it to kind of focus more around like regret of oh what if i didn't do this thing like if i made a different decision here what would my life be because that, to me, was the more obvious route. And that's why I'm glad I didn't write this movie, because this is a much smarter and more resonant approach. But yeah, I, I think that this is going to be the the gold standard for um, multiversal storytelling. I'm glad this is coming out early before the trend gets too tired. And I hope that future generations can appreciate this as still really good because i think there's sometimes when like something sets off such a big trend like we were kind of talking about it last episode with jurassic park where i think part of why i didn't appreciate that at first is because i saw all the bad imitations of it before seeing it so i hope that doesn't become the case here what were the bad imitations the the monster movies we talked about like sharknado and all that yeah or like even just like smaller things that big action movies do that are kind of like trying to do the thing like like with the precocious children trope like the worst versions of that we don't need to rehash it but anyway i hope that we don't see imitations this is what my hope for it is that like it gets the get out imitation treatment where we start making really cool imaginative sci-fi instead of 15 more multiverse movies get out really did change the horror game like that that's crazy well but i mean jumping the gun a little bit here but i see sorry to bother you as one of like the get out followers i guess i don't know exactly what the word for it is but like something that was made because get out was successful and it's it's completely original like there's nothing that sorry to bother you like steals from Get Out, but it kind of fits the same genre. Is it horror? No, but it, I don't want to spoil it too much for you okay, or the don't, audience. No, don't, don't say none. But, like, there's there's reasons that I feel like... I'll explain it when we get there. But I feel like Get Out's imitators... Or not imitators, but, like, the things that it inspired 
are very fresh and original, and I really hope that's the case here. Lakeith. Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah, well, okay, I guess that's one thing that they do share is Lakeith Stanfield. Lakeith, Lakeith. In terms of other things with the genre, like, this just, like, I, I won't make too much of a thing about this, but, like, I love imaginative sci-fi. It's probably my favorite genre, and specifically, this movie has, like, it just kind of checks some boxes for me, like, cross-cut climax sequences are everything for me. Inception has it, Inside Out has it, Viva Vendetta, I think, has it. And this has an amazing cross-cut climax. That definitely gave it some ticks up. I mean, comparing the movies you just you just said to it, I, I would imagine Inception... Yeah. Have, yeah. Yeah. Now, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I love how hard it commits to the premise, too. Like, because I think there's a frustrating amount of sci-fi movies that are like, we have this one concept we're going to go really hard with. And it does for, like, the first hour. And then the next hour is just kind of it turns into a generic action movie or like turns into again not to get us off on too many other examples but despite some of its like more generic elements i think in time is a sci-fi movie that does a really good job with that where like it Mm. really utilizes its premise for the entire runtime and Mm -hmm. that counts Mm -hmm. for a lot in my book even if that's a little bit of a mid movie yeah we should talk about that at some point though that's an interesting movie. Time's money and life. And Justin Timberlake. And uh, was it Olivia Wilde? Yeah, and Amanda Seyfried. Uh, and man, she, and then he catches her like he didn't catch his mom. Mm-hmm. Spoilers, in, but yes. <laughs> in just in time. Did, did you know that... Justin Timberlake has in time if you put his last and first name together. Did they use that in any of the marketing? I'm just now realizing that. Nope. They didn't. But somebody on Reddit was like, hey, this is a thing. Missed opportunity. Yep. Just like he missed catching his mom. That's like they should have had a, a James Bond movie come out in 2007 so they could put it out on seven oh seven double oh seven all right evan. hey uh, hey evan i know a better studio than a24 a25 <laughs> <laughs> wait you understand that reference i do understand that reference that's a spongebob reference that's what the hell the man ones that i wow. get wow what the hey patrick i <laughs> thought it was something <laughs> funnier than 24 25 <laughs> I only what? know that through vines. Okay. Well, at least you got. I, I, do I thought David that. was gonna get it. Yeah. I was like, this this joke is for David, but I'm gonna say it to Evan. <laughs> I do. I, David I didn't laugh reference. though, so I'm glad Evan did. <laughs> Let's see if we run through the two other SpongeBob references that I know. <laughs> at some. Oh point. yeah, we got. I gotta figure them out. I'm gonna just start quoting shit. Where's the SpongeBob multiverse movie? You know it's oh. coming. Oh man. That probably is in the works right now. One where it's like, they jump into his different holes, and it's the different oh. world. <laughs> that's that's the beginning. That's that's the inciting incident. <laughs> <laughs> so then, at some point, this is gonna sound so dirty. All five of Patrick's star points are gonna be in five of SpongeBob's different holes, so that they can defeat the whatever. How is there any way that's not dirty? 
Are you feeling it now, Mr. Krabs? Oh, that's one that I know. <laughs> one more to find. Yeah. I don't know how well known the that one is. I'll just say it right now. The the only one that the only other one I know is when uh Patrick asked, is mayonnaise an instrument? No Patrick. Oh. Mayonnaise is not an instrument. Horseradish is not an instrument either. You missed you gotta Classic. There's so many other good ones. Like, tell them, David. Go ahead. I don't know. I feel like we should get back to everything. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. Oh, We've been doing okay on not, on not having too, too many tangents. We were. We were. We were. And even then, we were kind of still talking about multiverses there. Holes. 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 Butt plugs. Go. Butt plugs. Yes. So, how did you guys <laughs> feel about the stage? <laughs> if I'm the one getting whiplash, like that's saying something. <laughs> All right. uh, how did you guys feel about the stakes with this? Because I feel like this did such a good job with high stakes, partly because the power scaling of Jobu Topaki as a villain was insanely good. I was intimidated by her like instantly. And maybe that's just really? me being on the right wavelength. But like when she fights the cops in the tax building and like makes one of their heads like burst into confetti and then like pulls her hair back and her face is on both sides of her head i was like oh shit this is like it just got real maybe that was just me but i feel like that's part of why the stakes no i was in it too okay no i was i bought all the stakes i i all of them i didn't i would i guess i wasn't hungry yeah i wasn't they didn't cook it quite right for you yeah no this was this steak was rare everything about it it was very it was very fabulously gay like her outfits always changing the hair the nails the shoes it was like every different outfit i can see and i even saw it with my friend who was like that's every college girl's halloween costume is one of those outfits and i was like you're so right like she is styling they design her out all the time and it's just like from the jump she comes in you just get a feeling that she can control this crazy thing and that's terrifying and it was fantastic. And the stuff she's saying to the cops when she's like, I don't think you understand what the word can't means. I was like, oh shit, this is so good. Yeah, she, she's never not in control. And it's it's like exposing the theme and like it's power scaling for like not just her, but also like this is kind of connecting two things here. But like if you don't buy into the idea that like like all the multiverse craziness is like actually happening if you don't buy into that it's still such good power scaling because you're like oh this is joy's headspace like evelyn has to overcome something this strong how the hell is she going to do that that is where i think the stakes succeed so well here it's a major thing that i love about this and how hard it goes into like the imaginative sci-fi thing is that everything that is happening in the different multiverses whether you believe in it or not as like or if you're invested in those exact stakes it's still pointing to like some part of evelyn's psychology or joy's psychology or some relationship between like the main characters so it all matters and there's stakes to all of it so even if and i think we've talked about this on other episodes i think that like scaling down your stakes actually kind of scales them up in a way because most movies 
where the world is being threatened, we are pretty sure that the world's not going to end. I can only name about two where the world actually ends. And even when it did, I was kind of like, okay, I don't, I don't really care. You didn't invest me enough. Spoiler alert, don't look up is one of those. Okay, don't look up, actually. That sort of worked. But I guess I oh. wasn't thinking of that as an example. Okay. So that's a, that's a good counterexample. But yes, spoilers. I was thinking Watchmen, the Zack Snyder one. Oh, um, boy. Did the world end in that? Kind of. It, well, at the very least, like, the bad guy won and the nuke went off. So, close enough. But anyway, I think the stakes are elevated because... It's actually just this, like, human drama, and there's nothing world-ending about Joy giving in to nihilism and depression. That is a very grounded, very realistic thing, so it feels very possible that the movie could end with that happening. I was thinking, I was just thinking, do it. Eat the bagel. Yeah, or go into, like, when she's getting sucked in by the bagel. You won't. I dare you. I do like an everything bagel. I don't think that's the point. You know what? I, I was just thinking, you know, do it. Steaks. Steak doesn't even go on a bagel. Steaks and bagels. Well, yeah. some... Locks and bagels. Steaks and bagels. Steak bagels. It's actually not bad. Anyway, I, I didn't care if this world ended or not, or if the multiverse ended. It's just like, eh. Was there anything that maybe could have helped with the stakes for you? Caring if the characters died. Okay. Can't argue with that. I cared about the character, so it all worked for me. Like, I wanted... It was such a beautiful expose on generational trauma, and I was like, I wanted Evelyn to have her moment with her father. I wanted Joy to have her moment with Evelyn. I wanted Evelyn to have her moment with her husband. I wanted Evelyn and Jamie Lee Curtis in that hot dog reality to have their moment. I wanted The Rocks to have their moment. Mm. I was with everyone, because it was such... They showed a universal story in some of the most absurd ways possible. Maybe the movie worked on me in the wrong way. Maybe when it comes to this movie, I'm taking Jobu's point of view. Hmm. I don't know. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily a wrong way to do it. Like I said, I think it's a wave. It's like whether you're on the wavelength thing. What frequency? Uh, wouldn't know, but whatever it is, I'm on it. You gotta switch the channel on your walkie-talkie, I guess. 69420. Um, 69420. It's definitely that. Um, <laughs> I, like, I feel like this movie would have would possibly be on that frequency, though. Like, Probably. Well, it had a butt plug fight, it, Evan. It had a butt plug fight. It had a butt plug fight. It had the villain's entrance involve knocking the shit out of a dude with a pair of dildos. So She did do that. And he was like bloody bloodied after that. Mm-hmm. And all the gagging with the hot dog fingers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the hot dog fingers. I love this movie so much. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go into the themes now. And David, you mentioned it. The first theme I had was generational trauma. Do either of you want to start with that? I'll start. I mean, I, this is the first thing that like shot out to me. And the second time watching it, I really saw it through and I saw just how well written the movie was to handle so many because i was starting to look at the press and everything and michelle yo was like yeah this movie really has five genres in one and i was like usually when people say that it's not a good thing and i was like all right how did how did the daniels do this because it is it's doing so much but it never feels like a burden it never feels too heavy to follow it's always fun 
but it's always emotional. Like I'll be crying, laughing, and then just crying, crying, like everything with her and her husband and then her and Joy at the end. Like I was just, it was so beautiful. I, I, everything worked in this movie for me. And I think the theme of generational trauma especially worked. Of the themes that I was able to identify, it's probably the one that I like personally vibe with the least, but I'm not knocking that theme at all. I think it's just a personal thing. That arc works really well, where like at the beginning, she is resistant to like, you know, she's saying she's kind of making excuses for her dad to joy of like he doesn't like he's not down with you being gay so i'm not gonna tell him and then by the end she does come around to that and i thought it was like a nice natural like it's not a full 180 because at the beginning like evelyn is at least somewhat accepting of joy and her girlfriend but she isn't fully supportive so it's it's like maybe a 60 degree turn for the, the amount of time that this movie takes place over, if you're looking at, like, the prime timeline, it's one day. I think a bigger turn than that would have been unrealistic or, like, hard to buy. It's still, like, I think it worked pretty well in that way. And you kind of had the parallel where she's kind of understanding, like, if I am not supportive of Joy here, that's going to have a similar impact to her that, like her dad not approving of waymond way back when like it's gonna repeat that cycle so that was all really good i don't know if it hit for me exactly while i was watching it but i i see it all there in like retrospect i had one other point with this but did either of you want to chime in on that at all Nah. nothing i wanted to see like the other point of view because me and evan are like agreeing yeah i don't I can't disagree with anything you're saying. Like you're you're making good points. I don't. Well, that's not entertaining. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Thank you, David. I know. I don't. I don't know what to say to any of this. Make fake conflict. Then. Uh, Actually, that's generations. Do they exist? I don't think they do. <laughs> Trauma is it real? Trauma, get over it, snowflake. Yeah, get. You know, it's all made up. It's it's a movie. I don't. It shouldn't even really be affecting you like that game over nerds <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I can't disagree with anything you say like i don't yeah good well my last point is not actually my own so it's bringing in an outside source as well my friend miguel who i saw it with the second time who's also a screenwriter he made a really good point when we were walking back that like evelyn completing her arc didn't solve everything and he was he really appreciated that and after he said that, I was like, I, I definitely agree with that because I think it's unrealistic, especially for like how deep this movie goes into its themes. Like if Evelyn like telling her dad that what, what's what's Joy's girlfriend's name? Is it Becky? No clue. OK, I'm going to look it up. But whatever whatever that character's name is, when she like introduces them and says this is Joy's girlfriend and it kind of like starts to hit like it's this like big resolution and then joy's still kind of upset with her i think that is it's it's a more nuanced and like i want to use a different word than realistic but something like that it's it's a more i guess like honest approach to it 
and even even later joy is falling back into the bagel and evelyn is pulling her out like there's only so much power that evelyn has there it still has to be joy's decision not submit to the depression and nihilism of the bagel and i really appreciate did you hear the sentence you just said yes which out of context of course sounds ridiculous but continue that's it yeah and i I don't know i just would like to see that approach taken more often in storytelling Mm -hmm. because i think i'm not trying to like downplay like the importance of like your parental figures or lack thereof on like a person's development that all is valid but i think sometimes in storytelling it is taken to a little too much of an extreme where it's like if only i solve like this conflict with my parents then everything in my life is like or like they sometimes i think too much is attributed to that and like there's not enough there's not enough like credence given to the fact that like I don't know, people are individuals. I feel like it gets a little oversimplified. And I, after Miguel pointed that out, I kind of appreciated that more with this. And I, it's a tall order because character creation on like a deep level is hard, but I'd like to see more of it in more areas than that. But I think that's a place where this movie succeeds. So you don't think the Goofy movie is good? What? Are you talking about the original uh, Goofy movie or an extreme? Yeah. Movie? Okay, I haven't seen that one. Because I feel like Max and the Goofy movie is all designed in the image of Goofy. It doesn't have its own real arc like that, you know? The Goofy movie really was real for some people. I'll take your word for it. I have not actually seen it, so. I'm kidding. This was all a bit. <laughs> I know some people really like the Goofy movie, so, like, I'm, I'm like, not trying to take anything from I was hoping someone had seen the Goofy movie so they'd get it, but it's just, it's not that deep. I was trying to see your point. I was, that's why I was quiet. I was like, because Z- it's Because it's, like, it's, the Goofy movie is the opposite. It's so romanticized, where it's, like, all the issues are the dad, and then once they figure it out, it's like, yay, son, yay, papa. But this movie, they're both three-dimensional human beings, so it's like, no. But the songs. because you figured out your stuff. The songs slap. because you figured out your stuff, Evelyn, doesn't mean Joy or Jojo Japaki, or whatever her name is. Japaki. Is it messed up? But. Because when you put everything on a bagel, do you know what actually happens? When you put everything. On a bagel. On a bagel. I love the everything bagel metaphor. It's so good. I thought it was going to turn out to be like a giant butthole or something, knowing this movie. It would have been par for the course. Are we done with that topic? Because the next thing is the everything bagel, um, with the theme of optimism versus nihilism. I've seen some debate of what exactly the bagel represents. I've heard people say it's representative of depression, suicide, nihilism, the internet. I think it could be all of those at the same time. Or at least well, every combination of them. Yes, it's everything. It's an everything bagel. So I suppose that would it would be kind of contradictory if it didn't represent something. Recently, after seeing it, I, I saw a comparison of like the bagel and the googly eye are invert like they're they're opposites of each other. Where the bagel is pessimism, where like most of the world is bad and anything good is like an anomaly, and the googly eye is looking at the world is mostly good but there is still bad in it because they're you know inverse where it's 
like a black circle with a white center or a white circle with a black center. Is that a race thing? I really Nobody's hope saying. not. <laughs> it did sound way more racist when I said it, so <laughs> I really hope not. So the mostly black thing with the white center is evil? Hmm. Wow. I was saying something. I see Daniels. white people at their core are evil. Because white's in the core. I, I was picturing them. But that'd be weird. Bagels are... Because then I would be black and you would be white. Wait, are you guys black? Uh, last I checked, no. <laughs> All these years, I thought the oppression was because I was gay. I've got that revitiligo. Oh, you got it bad then, huh? <laughs> I guess so. That's crazy. Where are we going with this? The bagel. The racism? Maybe, but... It started with the bagel. That means racism's on the bagel too, then. Racism probably is on the bagel. I wonder what that looks like as one of the seeds. If it's on the ballot, it's on the bagel. I don't get that yeah. reference. Racism's on the ballot, you know? People say that. I have no idea what that means. It, it's like with like, elections. Yeah, with oh. elections. Voting. Voting for candidates. It's a vote for racism is a vote for bagels. Well, I don't want to give up bagels, so I really hope not. I like bagels. <laughs> right? Every breakfast sandwich just dies. Guys, we gotta cancel breakfast. Anyway, what do we think about the symbolism of the bagel? I thought it was a good, a good metaphor and scary power scaling. Yeah, I don't know. This movie is so absurd and strange. I guess I didn't think too deeply into the metaphor because I just was like, you know, this movie is so unapologetic about how weird it gets that, like, why not? It's called an everything bagel. So what What if someone took that so literally and put literally everything on a bagel? What does that look like? And I, I bought it. I didn't think about it too much because I was having so much fun. And if you really did want to analyze it, like if I wanted to think about what it means to be a bagel and be empty at its core and what this movie's trying to fulfill with each character and their family and everything, it actually does apply. So I don't know if the Daniels really thought about it that deep or if one of them just went to Starbucks one morning and was like, hmm, everything bagel. What if it really was an everything bagel? What is, what is, yeah, like, hmm. Somewhere in between that, the magic happened and I'm very okay with it. Jelani? Anything there? Everything. Everything. That's a great answer. They don't offer this kind of... Well, they offer everything bagels, but they're like... I think they're cheating me out of out of, the, out of what I can really get, you know? Yeah. Uh, why doesn't my bagel have black holes in it? Yeah, everything bagels Part only have it. like four toppings. <laughs> it's like salt, poppy, sesame, and... Garlic. Is it Garlic. I think onion's one of them. Yeah, well, it probably depends on the place, but I feel like those are the four that I usually see. How do we feel about the reading of this as, like, or reading the bagel as the internet, or reading, like, because I didn't really notice this the first time, but then I saw somebody make a comparison of, like, the bagel could symbolize the internet, and I started looking at it that way. And I think there is something there with, like, the multiverse being uh this is brought up i think specifically in the scene with the rocks of like the more we discover about the world the smaller we feel and like the worse that we feel about ourselves and i feel like that is kind of trying to be 
some kind of symbolism of having like constant internet access and having the world be as interconnected as it is and like i don't know if we as a species are fully ready to be as connected as we are and i feel like this movie kind of taps into that with multiverse theory no i think that's a whole stretch why i don't think it's that deep i think what what the movie said was good but like the bagel being the internet i don't i'm not seeing what you're saying so what do you see as like the its message or like where it lands on this theme because i think there's a few readings of it you could take the suicide depression thing i mean she was literally trying to kill herself it seemed like remember that one guy went through it and we don't know where he is if he's anything anymore so you think that the bagel is definitely a suicide um allegory probably i mean that's what makes the most sense out of the four four you mentioned i think it makes as much sense as some of the other ones because you can't come back from it true it doesn't seem you know you can leave the internet not people that live off the grid it's not easy to do but you can come back from being on the internet only thing you can't come back from what you listed is is this suicide thing so yeah i mean we don't know if it's possible to come back from becoming one with the everything bagel but again with that one guy uses the example it didn't look possible i'm sure he would have come back if he could unless it's just the afterlife on the other side yeah or if that's like just a place where the metaphor is not quite so tight because i think that was just in the middle of an action scene so that might have just been like a thing to be like oh the bagel is death just kind of like setting that stakes up david how about you do you think the there's holes to be poked in the um internet reading or any of the readings i mean i'm not gonna say any one reading really was more legitimate than the other because when it comes to like interpretation of art like that's everyone's interpretation is valid and like if someone watched this and saw that joy spent too much time on her phone and that's why she's running away from the family because the internet got her bat down bad that's fine if someone watched it and thought that she was depressed and that's why she's running away that's fine to be the bagel literally was everything it was just whatever that straw that broke the camel's back whatever is pushing the family apart and evelyn has to make the choice that her father didn't make all those years ago which is to say no and to work through the storm because mm-hmm. that's what i saw it as i saw the bagel as like like a long day's journey into night like whatever night is like that's what the bagel was the bagel was whatever each viewer needed it to be to represent like a hardship in a family and a hurdle that a family unit has to either get over or it's going to break mm-hmm. and every family has that yeah i think that's another reason that this is like so resonant is that it is grounded in something that a good amount of viewers can relate to on some level everyone who has any kind of relationship with their parents or their kids has had like there's conflict in in those somewhere obviously some more than others but there's a good majority of people who can relate to that on some level so i think that definitely helps with it i guess with you saying that i guess i did relate to the characters in some way then still didn't care about them but they got that well again like i I don't i don't think you went into this the wrong way or came out of it the wrong way because like you don't 
vibe with them. That's not, that's just a taste thing. But I would hope and I wouldn't be surprised if on a second viewing, maybe it does hit a little more for you. I'd like to watch it with somebody on my second viewing to see what they say. I mean, I'm definitely going to be buying the Blu-rays, so I'd be down to, and I'll, I know I'm going to be re-watching this, so. All right, relax. I didn't well, see anybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there's a, there, there's, a, there's a good list and a bad list. And, uh, somebody just got moved to number one on the bad list, I guess. What I like best about this theme is how much it engages with... I, I see like the, the theme that is, at least in dialogue, being engaged with the most is nihilism. And I like how much it engages with that because it allows for a greater catharsis. And I, I think that just like is a good lesson to take into any kind of approach to a theme is, or even like if you're going to like debate somebody on something, you got to acknowledge the valid sides of their argument so that you can, if you're going to like be able to contradict or like come out with a solid answer, you got to fully engage with the opposite view. And I think that's just a really good approach to theme. Yeah. And, in theory, I, I know some people where they they don't see the other side, and, and they think they've come out on top. And I'm just like, you you haven't seen any other perspective but your own, and you, you think you're winning this argument. Okay. Oh yeah, totally. Like arguments are messy, and people are strong-willed. I'm I'm counting myself among them in that. It definitely gets much messier. But I think at least in approaching theme in a story, you're kind of constructing both sides of that argument yourself so in that mm -hmm. sense i think like mm -hmm. when you're just having an argument then that's you know two people with their worldviews clashing there and it usually is kind of messy but i had a minute when i was teaching english this past year where i had students debate each other on some topics and some of the best ones like the best thought out arguments one of them just keeping it grounded in something that we are very familiar with here one of them was Marvel versus DC. And the kid arguing for DC was like, I'm going to just give you the fact that Marvel has better movies. That's it. That's literally it. Well, but he was able to then use that to like point to other things and build out. a. Uh, he built out a stronger argument than I was expecting. But I thought that was like a strength. And I think that's a way that is good to approach theme is... If you're going to come out of your movie with, like, a strong, solid, like, take on your theme, it's going to be stronger if you engage with the other side more. And on more of, like, a viewing experience level, if you bring something to, like, a really dark place, but you end up having a, an essentially happy ending, it's going to hit a lot harder because you brought us to more extreme places. I don't know if this is the most fair comparison, but I know a movie that I really checked out of emotionally was The Patriot, partly because I am not on the same wavelength as Roland Emmerich. But in that movie, like Mel Gibson's character, it like just he ends up losing like so many people. But after a little while, I was just like, okay. I kind of stopped caring a while back, but if there had been more of like an up and down with it, 
where like there was where the movie showed there could be good things that happen to this character and bad then it kind of hits harder i just thought of how messed up it would be if like these movies were just like real people's lives being recorded but we we just thought of them as movies and how messed up it would be if like i said earlier i, I didn't really care if any of the characters died like <laughs> seeing them as like real people but still saying that that i i just think that's funny like you were like i i didn't care after a certain point that all of the, all of his loved ones and everybody he knew died i didn't yeah it could have been better it would definitely make my comments about uh, Tim from Jurassic Park on the last episode uh, read a bit differently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, this kid needed to get eaten. Uh, the movie would have been <laughs> so much better if he died. Uh, yeah. Inside Out is an example of something where I think that, like... Or Seven is another one, not to spoil that movie, or either of them for people. But I think both of those succeed in their themes by having like going to really dark places and ultimately using that to have a more powerful hopeful ending so we'll get into the last theme for this at least that i've found um which is empathy so i i didn't catch this so much the first time but in revisiting it i was a little more in tune with the like how the empathy theme was working maybe i'm reading what i want to into this but in the scene where Evelyn tries to become like Jobu Topaki and like access all of her different multiverses, even though it might like break her brain or whatever, I really read that as like a major beat in the empathy theme because I think it's like her trying to think back on her own experiences and regrets and just like getting in tune with herself to help her understand how Joy's feeling. And again, maybe this is me reading what I want to into this, but I feel like this movie's take on empathy in part is that a major part of being empathetic is being in tune with your own experiences, like just in context of like the order of things. Evelyn is able to have empathy for Joy and the um, tax lady and all the people she fights on the staircase because she's gone through all of this really deep introspection during the first two hours of the movie. So I would be very down to hear other readings of that from either of you or other people, but that was kind of how I saw it. I wonder if it's maybe missing something, though, about like where that sort of empathy is limited, or maybe there was kind of something that points to that, and I missed it. And then my last point with this... The stairwell fight at the end, I think, is, I mean, again, cross-cutting climactic sequences are everything for me. And this is maybe top three. And I love how much it lingers on each person when she's, like, finding their thing to, like, empathize with and, like, using the, like, that aspect of, like, multiverse jumping to, like... Killing them with kindness. Killing them with kindness, yeah. I, I love that scene. Like, I've, I've been listening back to the score, and I get choked up hearing that song that plays underneath it. Is it Despacito? Is that what it's playing? I forget the song that's playing. It's just score. The score is excellent for this. The opera fight in the office... Also, like, this is a tangent from the topic we were on, but that office fight might be the most beautiful fight scene ever. 
both in terms of choreography and like you mean with Wayman when he's whipping the pouch oh no that's also an excellent fight scene i love that one as as well but i'm talking the one where there's the opera in the background when evelyn's like first going into like full multiverse mode as a fighter and she does the thing where she spins the sign in the one multiverse and then she takes the police shield and takes down all the people and then knocks everybody off you it's so fucking good i love that scene so much like there are better action scenes out there but in terms of like an action scene hitting perfectly on a character beat like holy shit it's so good anyway did either of you have anything on the empathy theme i didn't really notice it at first but after hearing what you said i can see my reading of it would be like the characters only really can empathize like you said as far as their own experience like once she gets to really see everything and get the full experience i feel like there is a change in her so i can see like the actual that reading coming through in the movie but yeah i don't know it didn't when i watched it the two times i never that theme never kind of hit me i think there's also though like just it's kind of also working on like a metaphor level there too because like i think you could see it as at the beginning of the movie evelyn is like kind of wrapped up in her own issues and isn't really considering anyone else around her and then in that stairwell fight at the end even though the like it's just kind of a group of strangers she's kind of approaching all of them as like people who also have like a full life experience and like a complex inner world that's how i like to read it i could again just be reading what i want to into it but i like that reading of it i'm a david i didn't notice until you mentioned it were there any other themes you guys noticed because i'm I'm sure there are others that i didn't i just kind of listed the four that stood out to me but i think there's many more that i didn't um i don't think so that's fine and you know listeners if you saw one in there let us know tweet at us because i think there's a lot more to unpack in this movie that i just can't see and like on two viewings and i'm sure there's gonna be a ton of videos about this in the next um little bit anything else before we get into our last topic the balancing dark and light tones i thought we talked about racism already oh. <laughs> <laughs> it rears its ugly head again racism so is does. ugly that's an ugly motherfucker it really is I'll, I'll let you guys start off with it do we have anything on the tone well i feel like it probably didn't work for jelani because he didn't like the movie that much but the mm-hmm. tone worked for me I thought it was very campy. I thought it was very just absurd, but also grounded. And I really liked how it was able to balance between a scene or make a scene as epic as like, you know, you could show Darth Vader in Rogue One when that lightsaber lights up the thing and he starts tearing people at the end of the movie trying to get the codes or whatever. And then you could show when Joy comes with the dildos and it's the same thing and it's just it's doing the same purpose for the villain it's epic it's scary it establishes the stakes it's hilarious it was awesome i've never seen anything like it It was kind of like if saints row the third was a movie that's what this movie is saints row is fucking crazy 
I didn't know you played Sam Searle, David. Yeah, I came with my first Xbox. That was the game that came in the package. Nice. I only played it once, and I activated the invincibility cheat, and after like half an hour, I was bored. Do you think that's a fair comparison? I don't know what that is, but Jelani, do you, do you agree with that reading? Yeah. It makes perfect. That's a good comparison. There's a dildo weapon in the game. Okay, well that's definitely a parallel, I guess. Um, There's dildos in this movie. There are. Yep, there, there are multiple. I do think there, like, could be a barrier with the tone here. Because, uh, again, like, my boss was saying to me with the hot dog fingers, his problem with it was that he thought it undercut the emotion of stuff. And I, I think the hot dog fingers are probably the biggest example of that. But there's a number of things that are, like, where there are jokes that are potentially taking away from an emotional moment. I didn't find that that was a problem for me. I thought that worked really well. That was a problem for me. And then the rock falling off the cliff in the climax and all that. I was like, all right, then this is not... What are they doing here? I don't get it. How did you feel about the first rock scene? Because I feel like that is one of the that biggest examples. Okay. That kind of captured what the movie, the movie's tone, I think, that scene. It's, it's absurd. What's happening is absurd, but they're talking about some stuff, you know? I felt that way more with the hot dog. Like, I, oh. a lot of people cracked up. Yeah, a lot of people cracked up in my the first theater. They cracked up at both. But the second time I saw it, it was a less full theater. And they laughed at the hot dog hands, but they really laughed at the rock. And I always found the hot dog hands funnier. And I also was just more invested in, like her relationship with Jamie Lee Curtis's character. And I always, I actually really, really bought into that reality and felt sorry for her. And she's like, why are you nice to me one minute and then cold to me the next? And it's like, it's depending on which version of Evelyn is like going into her to like fight and everything. And I was, I was like, that really sucks for that Jamie Lee Curtis. Like <laughs> she doesn't have her Evelyn all the time because this Evelyn needs to fight to survive. So for some reason I was super invested in that reality. And the rock reality, I was like, this is cute. This is funny. I get why everyone's laughing, but, like, I'm ready to, like, not see rocks and text on my screen. I think I was also really uncomfortable with the hot dog finger, finger effect. It, it was really gross-looking yeah. and, and weird. <laughs> and they were... It's not like it was, like, hot dog-colored fingers it, it was their skin oh, tone flesh. Yeah, yeah it was like uh, like Jamie Lee Curtis is like that's it I'm done I'm leaving and she grabs her bag and she's like running away and they're bouncing oh my god so funny um I no. and they're bobs they're matching bobs like why is that reality they all have bobs and hot dog fingers it just doesn't make sense and then they cut back to the film and in the film they eat each other's fingers it's just like that doesn't hurt <laughs> Yeah, I was I was kind of confused by that, but I was I didn't think the hot dogs were like if there had been too much more of it, I might have like maybe had an issue, but I was mostly okay with the hot dogs. You guys like um, hot dogs, right? Hot dogs get a bag rat. Is the happening? Okay, I was gonna say I know that's from something. I, I'm kind of more with Jelani on the rocks thing. Like I liked like when they went back to it and the rocks are falling down the hill. I thought that was great. Unlike you it sounds like no that was fine because that was like no, me, not me. rocks on a te like that wasn't the text yeah i was saying like, that that, that was a payoff 
Yeah, I didn't like that. I, I was fine with the payoff. The setup was just so long. But people loved it in the theater. Like, they thought it was so funny. Like, shh, it doesn't matter. We're rocks. Just be a rock. People were like, ah, ha, ha, ha. I was like, okay. The rock moved, David. That's comedy gene. The rock moved. Rocks aren't supposed... They're not even supposed to have subtitles. The rocks were like, you know what? We are rocks. We can do whatever we want. It's comedy, right? Right, guys? I thought the rock moving was more like Evelyn, like, embracing the, like, nihilism in a good way, where it's like, nothing matters, so I am limitless. Even though I'm a rock, I'm going to move. I really loved that moment. I thought she was trying to go hug her. I think the rocks are another version of the everything bagel and the googly eyes, but in this case, they represent rocks. I don't know if something can represent itself, though. See where I'm going? You guys get it, right? Yeah. So I write myself into a story, and I am a metaphor and a stand-in for me? Exactly. Okay. (laughs) And also, like, the literal character. Yep. All of it. All of it. Everything. Everywhere. At the same time. David, you didn't finish it. <laughs> we were about to do yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just didn't feel right. Back to the rock scenes, though. I thought my theater, and it sounds like yours as well, David, like that scene is kind of a litmus test for if you're on like the right wavelength. Because I feel like in my theater, everyone laughed exactly when like that scene wants you to laugh. But then as soon as it turns and gets deep and existential it hit for everyone and like they started crying at the right moment too so i didn't hear any sniffles in my theater just putting that out there i think i heard a few in mine he saw the movie alone i (laughs) (laughs) i'm crying now (laughs) good i i wasn't crying loudly but i did cry both times a little bit so I was definitely on the wavelength. I don't think the rock scene was where it got me. The office fight with the police shield came close. That was a good one. And the stairwell fight as well. So another thing that I was going to compare to, and I know you guys at least both know this, so I want to hear your thoughts on this as well. I think this does something that community also does very effectively of like, it's going for jokes sometimes and the jokes do land. But it's not embarrassed of its emotions at all. It can end with everyone hugging, and that feels just right. Um, Like, it doesn't feel cheap or tacky or anything. It's like, yeah, this is resolving something, and I love it for the comedy as much as I do for, like, like all the character conflict and, like, self-actualization is coming together at the end. It's kind of doing the same thing. I can understand that, but also I feel like I've mentioned, I don't know if it was on the show or not, that community, like, felt very formulaic after a while. Like, I binge-watched it my first time ever watching community, and I was just like, okay, so somebody does something kind of out of character at the beginning of an episode, and they make somebody else in a group sad, and then they learn why it hurt the other person and then by the end jeff gives a speech and everything's okay rinse and repeat for the next five seasons 
That's fair, but I also feel like 96% of those episodes work incredibly well. 96? That's a lot. Yeah, there's only like four episodes of that show that I actively don't enjoy watching, and the rest of them are C to A tier. Most of them are C to S tier. Most of them season are six, to S Evan? All of it? I like season six, except for one episode. Like I said, there's only like three or four episodes that I like kind of avoid rewatching. Everything else I watch and I'm just like, God damn, this show is like the greatest show ever. Oh no, it got better for me upon each rewatch, but the first time watching it, I was just like, what's the goal here? You know? No, I, I don't quite follow you there. Nope. I'm not going to explain it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> good luck with that. David, do you feel like it's an apt comparison or am I wrong? I think it's a good comparison, but I also think it's like the broad statement of, for me, a lot of the best comedies that I like also service as dramas like you can remove the jokes and the beats are still there and i think that's what like you're pretty much saying like you can remove the jokes and the story is strong enough to carry it through but the jokes just elevate it and it's the same with like the best comedies like when i think of billy wilder and some like it hot like there's a really deep metaphor in there and there's a very deep story in there even to the final line of when he finds it's very funny and to the point where he finds out like He's like, I'm a man. And he's like, doesn't make a difference to me. Or he says something like that. Nobody's perfect. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Nobody's perfect. And it's like, these are the different beats that, like, to me, the best comedy always hits. And to me, everything, everywhere, all at once is some of the best comedy. So I would agree. And same with community. I do like how this movie does kind of go nuts with its tone, though, where it's like, it's very much going for the emotion. It's not ashamed of it. But it's also, it's having so much fun with its premise and having butt plug fights and like mm-hmm. a riff on Ratatouille with a raccoon and hot dog fingers and all that. Part of it too is that everything has an internal logic. Nothing in there is purposeless. Like even the multiverses with the raccoon and the hot dog fingers do have payoffs to like the larger story and even just as like mechanics where like Evelyn's chef skills in the raccoon timeline are used to help her fight. Like even something as small as that, I think helps with that tone balance because it's not just there being weird for the sake of being weird. That was pretty much everything for me. Anything else from you guys? Well, that was pretty much everywhere for me. Yep. David, <laughs> yeah, do it. Yeah, that was, oh yeah, that was. Uh, that was do it. I feel. I don't know. Um, yeah. God damn it, David. We set you up perfectly. <laughs> He's gonna end the episode by saying all at once. <laughs> ah. All right, we'll wait for it. it. Closing thoughts. This definitely ranks among my favorites right now. I probably got to rewatch it a couple more times and give it a little more space, but. Right now, I'm going to rank it as best of the decade, slightly above Tenet. <laughs> That's not the part, the part that got me. It was the slightly above Tenet after. <laughs> I haven't seen Tenet, but I didn't realize that was the list. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a very on-brand <laughs> list for me, but I know not many people will agree with that list. 
All you gotta uh, do is just ask, did Nolan make it? All right, it's up there. Uh, last thing, we were able to ask questions, and Spotify listeners can answer them through Spotify somehow. Oh. So we'll start doing that with this episode. What multiverse would you want to live in, either from this movie or otherwise? Do either of you have an answer for that? I don't know if I do. Spider-Man, and I want to be Miles Morales. That's it. I guess I have questions. So, like, when it says multiverse, does that mean we just pick any reality we want to live in? Or, like, are we trying to pick a multiversal movie? Or are we looking at it in the sense of, like, how these multiverse function? I really did not think it through. So, I don't know. Make your own rule for that. Because the only one that seems like we can manipulate easily is everything everywhere all at once mm. that seems pretty easily user-friendly oh god the paper you need to have like a huge machine to even have that happening well and be a cartoon but let's not limit ourselves but like if i can choose any reality to exist in i don't know or static shock static shock is yours one or the other or both i'm gonna i'm gonna be both <gasps> it just hit me. <laughs> I want whatever, whatever reality universe that had those old animations where Scooby Doo and Batman used to cross over. Oh, that'd that's be where a good I want to live. That'd be a good one. I want a universe. Honestly, I'd probably pick like certain political things. But in terms of fandoms, I'm gonna pick one where both. Just say Inception and get it over with. Okay, Inception, yes. Also, (laughs) Inception, Tenet. If Tenet is real in one, I'll do that one with Inversion. That'd be fucking cool. Also, if Hogwarts is real and I'm allowed to go to it in one universe, I'm totally going there. You're a muggle. We're all muggles. Well, maybe in that universe I'm not. You could be Harry Potter. I, I just put the glasses and the scar on your head, in my head, and yep, that's you. Well, as a seven-year-old, I'd probably be very gratified to hear you say that. But it also has to be a universe where Hogwarts doesn't have... One, it's not run by Dumbledore because he's stupid. It's in his name. Are you surprised? Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. And two, it doesn't have all of J.K. Rowling's toxicity in it. We'll pick a a universe that's woker than the one that J.K. Rowling made. So that one. Also, a, a universe where the Hobbit movies were good and there were only two of them. Mm, yeah i would like that and at that point i'll throw in one that has a good game of thrones season 10 where they don't stop at season 8 and they go up to 10 it has a good ending this is a very specific multiverse hey there's a lot of them out there if, if one can fit that bill then uh i'm there all right so send us your multiverse pitches do you guys have any more shark no. tail oh. <laughs> oh no <laughs> hear me out <laughs> Okay. We're all fishes with human faces <laughs> living in a Zootopia like society in the ocean. What do your locks look like as a fish, though? What does my beard look like as a fish? I don't know if I'm, I want to see I'd that. I'd probably be one of the jellyfish where my tentacles double as my Ooh. locks. Okay, that could work. Shrek, but the ogres are all replaced by literal onions. Mm. So handsome Shrek would look like a what? A radish? Uh, tomato? Maybe. Uh, cabbage? Maybe just like a slimmer. Let us onion. know on Spotify. <laughs> Let us know on Spotify. What? That's a crazy what? sentence. What? I didn't know they started doing comments. Yeah. Let us let us know on Spotify what 
handsome Shrek or human Shrek would look like. Respond with your own three-minute song. So, in keeping with the theme of long titles, our next two episodes are going to be Sorry to Bother You and Call Me By Your Name. Nice. Uh, You can check out our YouTube channel. We have our Patreon for $1 a month. We have merchandise on Zazzle. Our logo is by Kelsey Hendry. Tweet at the show at intanalysis18. You can answer our multiverse question there as well. I'm on Twitter at Ev underscore Wes, and where are both of you? I'm on Twitter at Jelani T. Kelly, Instagram at Jelani T. Kelly. I feel like this one's too easy, but okay. No, because you'd be like, what's your Twitter? You know what I'm saying? It's like, what, where are you on Twitter? Or like, what's your Twitter? What's your Instagram? You'd be like, I'm everything, everywhere, all at once. I thought you were going to say you were on the everything bagel, but Okay. He did it by himself, Evan, and I don't like that. I'm the best. Yeah, I was, we were supposed was to do true. it as a. Damn it, David. Well, we can try one more time. If you need me, I'll be everything. <laughs> I don't think that, worked. that really didn't work. All right. <laughs> this movie really was everything. You can find us <laughs> everywhere. Damn it, David. (laughs) (sighs) All right. Thank you for listening. I'm just waiting for you to say it. No, I'm good. (laughs) All right. Goodbye.